0: to God. Hallelujah. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you that our steps are ordered in your word, that we're at the right place at the right time. We thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. We thank you, Lord God, hallelujah, that you were anointed to speak, but we're anointed to hear and to receive. And I thank you for the keys that you're giving your people. I thank you, Father God, for oh, hallelujah, for for just adjusting us and putting us where we need to be in our thinking and in our positioning for these end times lord we'll just give you all the praise and all the glory for it in jesus name amen amen well uh hallelujah we've just been believing for cottondale too cottondale is doing good by the way hallelujah having a good time over there and uh having uh good good crowds good summer crowds amen so it's a blessing and so keep telling people and get keep getting the word out uh, believing for uh, visitors in every service, both places, amen? If you would turn with me to Acts chapter 17, verse 26. We looked at this scripture last week, but I thought I'd remind you of about three scriptures we looked at last week. I won't make you look up all of them that we saw last week. And I'm sure you're glad of that. (laughs) Hallelujah. But um, Acts 17, 26, it says, And he hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. I want you to notice several things from this verse. One of the things I want you to notice is that we're all made from the same blood. We're all made from the same blood. We're all, you know, there's not any, well, there's just two races in Christ in Christ there's two racers there's saved and there's lost amen we're we're the saved race race here amen and uh the world has messed it up the devil has messed it up the devil's got in. The devil's tried to divide. The devil's tried to, uh, he always tries to persecute. And, and he did, he not only did it with races, he's done it with women. He's tried to, uh, hurt women. And, uh, women are persecuted all over the earth in most nations. And America is the best place to live if you're a woman. And, uh, amen. You don't want to go to some nations if you're a woman. But anyway, uh, the devil, that's all the devil's doing. Amen. And in God, there's no race. Hallelujah. So we all came from the same blood, and we're all made to dwell on the face of the earth, and he has determined the times. He determined the times that we would be born in. You are supposed to be born in the generation that you're in. My dad used to tell me, Debbie, you're not pioneer stock. That's what he would tell me. And, uh, and he always said I was nasty nice. Uh, <laughs> y'all know what nasty nice is? Don't like nothing nasty. Didn't want to get my fingernails. I don't, still don't like to work in yard. Don't want dirt under my fingernails. I like a pretty yard, though. Pastor says that is not good when you want a pretty. It makes me work him real hard because I I want a pretty yard. I want flowers, and I don't want no dirt under my fingernails. And uh, <laughs> don't like to get dirty. Don't like to sweat. Don't like to. uh, (laughs) Lawrence don't either. Don't like to sweat. Don't like to be hot. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I was born in the I was born in the generation of refrigerated air. It came in right after I was born, although I grew up under a swamp cooler Uh, in West Texas, especially. Twenty years ago, everybody had a swamp cooler. When Pastor and I first married, you had swamp cooler. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Evaporative air which would not work any at all out here. It has to be very dry for it to work. And y'all are looking at me like I don't even know what that is. But well, I'll explain it to you later. But anyway, anyway, so uh I was born at the right time. You were born at the right time. Amen. And we are we have grace on us for this time. And other people that were born in other times, they had grace on them for their time, too. And so there's grace on us. And uh, And he's determined before and appointed the bounds of our habitation. It's no accident you're American. It's no accident that, uh, uh, and you know, uh, we think it's the greatest nation on earth, but I tell you, other people love their nation. Do you know what I'm saying? Even sometimes those nations that we think, my God, how's anybody stand that? Because there's so much yuck over there. They love their nation. Amen. And so we love our nation. They love theirs. And if you don't love it, well, catch a plane. Amen. <laughs> I love you. I mean, you ought to get out if you don't love it. Y'all go somewhere else. Don't carry signs. Go somewhere else. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You might come back kissing the earth. That's what I did. Boy, I you. I nearly kissed that customs guy in New Jersey. New Jersey people are about it. They're, friend, they're, they're not friendly at all. And if you're in New, from New Jersey, I'm sorry. But they are not friendly up there, and especially customs officials. But I'm telling you, he was the sweetest looking thing. He was American. And And I was so glad to be back when I got back in. So, uh, um, hallelujah, we're we're, we're where we're supposed to be. Amen. And then God has been orchestrating your life, whether you realize it or not, getting you to the right place, getting you to the right area, getting you where He could use you, where He needed you. See, it's not all about us. It's like, well, I want to live in Florida. I want to live down, well, so does everybody. Somebody said there's more word of faith graduates from rhema that went and started a church in florida than any other state you know it's a big joke about uh, among uh florida faith pastors god, i think god's calling me to hawaii you know hallelujah but you know, god wants to send you where and he know he's he's put he's put you where you need to be and you have you have gifts inside of you that are adaptable to whatever to whatever place that he has put you in. Hallelujah. And and um it's awesome how God has orchestrated all that. And you know the awesome thing is is now uh because we're I'm actually listening now. I'm actually wanting to hear the Holy Ghost tell me what to do. But there was a time I didn't even know to listen. And God was still. And it took a little more sometimes. He had to go through some processes. You know, he had to move my family three times to get me to the town uh, where, uh, where Pastor was, where I could meet him, get married to him. And I, he needed me. He needed me. He was dating a church of Christ, and, a, and then he dated a, a atheist. And so he needed me bad. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, it just wouldn't, uh, not anything against church of Christ, but it don't flow real good with word of faith unless they're willing to change. Amen. Hallelujah. And they do. Hallelujah. The pastors that got, that were our first pastors in Word of Faith had come out of Church of Christ and got baptized in the Holy Ghost under Pat and Shirley Boone. Pat and Shirley Boone, our Church of Christ, by the way, baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, former Church of Christ. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah for that. So the bounds of our habitation have been set. Now turn to Acts 13, back up a little bit. Hallelujah. You're at the right place at the right time. You might have wondered. Hallelujah. But you are. And if you'll listen to the Holy Ghost, he may make some fine-tuning and some adjustments on that. But you listen, and you got to be open, too. You can't be just closed down. Hallelujah. We could have missed the best part of our life. We could have missed our promotion, our prosperity, had we said, No, 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 now we got to stay here in Texas, family's here. There was all sorts of reasons to stay in Texas. There was all, always lived there, family was there, everywhere, uh. uh you know, all sorts of reasons to stay there, but the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost. And I'm so glad that we do we listen because cause much more joy than I ever had in Texas uh, coming here. And, I, and I, I had a good time there too. But I'm telling you, nothing compares with being in the will of God. And the will of God is heaven on earth. When you find the will of God, you'll think you're in heaven. Now I'm not saying there's not trials. There are trials. We have had, we have probably had more financial trials in, in Alabama than we ever had in Texas. And we've had other trials. But I'm telling you, we get up every day thinking, this is heaven. This is like heaven. And uh, the reason is because it's the will of God. We went to Russia, and we were so miserable, but there was a missionary and his family had, I think, three kids. I think they had another one since then. They got four now. And uh, in Ivanova, Russia, and uh, there was one, they say it was reported, there was one washing machine in the whole town. And it was like about, it was a big town. It was about 500,000. And they had one washing machine. They said they, they thought one person had a vacuum cleaner somewhere. In the whole town, you could take a bath. You could take a hot bath. You could take a, bath, a shower anytime you wanted to, as long as you didn't mind it being cold. And uh, but if you could take a hot, when they turned the water on at ten o'clock at night, the hot water in the hotel that we stayed in. And uh, uh, but you know that missionary, I'm telling you, that man was happy. He was from Louisiana, from South Louisiana. He was happy. He acted like it was heaven. And I'm like. What's wrong with you? But then I realized what was wrong with him was he was in the will of God. And it was heaven. And, you know, they liked Mexican food. And it's, you know, it's just not, food is not the same in Russia. And there's not just stores everywhere. And they have what they call shops. They're built under the apartment buildings. And you, you go into a shop and they might have five items. They might have eggs, pickles, and, you know. And then you it, it take all day to do the grocery shopping. In fact, this pastor just hired a lady his wife had three kids. She didn't have time for this. And so he hired a lady just to go gather their food. I mean, all she did for him was go get their food because you have to go to so many stores, and you've got to go every day to the store, and you've got to get, you know, your stuff for that day. So they were wanting tacos, and they said they just they didn't have any lettuce, so they chopped cabbage. And said so it was pretty good, you know. Hallelujah. I don't think that sounds good myself, but... Anyway, they but they were in heaven. It's like, how can that be? Because it's the will of God. So don't ever be afraid of God making an adjustment in your life. Don't ever be afraid of obeying the Holy Ghost. Don't back up. Just go forward. Hallelujah. Because it's heaven. Hallelujah. Are you all in Acts 13, 36? Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Glory to God. Now. It helps to get in Acts 30. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, uh, you are in a generation that you can serve. And you have an obligation to serve your generation. It's not right for you to go have heaven on earth, go to heaven, and say everybody else around me can just go to hell. You know, it's not right. Hallelujah. We're here to serve a generation, and nobody can serve that generation like you, you can. Turn with me to, um, we're just reviewing a little bit, Jeremiah 1, verse 4. And then we'll get into some new things this morning. Jeremiah 1, verse 4. Hallelujah. It says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. And uh, so we find here that God is, uh he's a planning before, he's not trying to figure out what he's going to do with you right now. He figured that out long time ago. He said he knew you before you were ever in the womb. He already knew you. Hallelujah. Your spirit was already up there in heaven. I don't know exactly how it works. We won't know till we get there how everything works, but he's got the spirits up there. And when the conception occurs, it takes three people to make a baby. We talked about this last week. It takes a mama, it takes a daddy, and it takes God. Don't ever kid yourself that people make babies. They do have a part. God's not doing it without them, but it takes God. God shows up at conception, and He puts the Spirit in every child, Amen. And there is, God's not surprised about any of them, and He's happy about all of them, no matter the circumstances uh, that brought them about. He's happy about them. He's got a plan for them, Amen. Hallelujah. He's 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 good on babies, Amen. And He gives a purpose to every child. Every child has a purpose put inside of him, just like you have a, a a physical DNA. We know that you are very unique. You have a your own. You have a fingerprint that nobody else has. You also have a voice print that nobody else has. Did you know nobody else has the exact same voice print as you? And all these of people on earth. Nobody has the same one. So you're unique. God had to be in all that, does not he? How could anybody be an atheist just knowing all this stuff? And, um, and so, you, but not only that, you have a spiritual DNA. You have something that's been uh, put in you that's in the, the fabric of your being, the things that you like, the things that you don't like, the things you get worked about up about in society, the, God put that in you. He wants you to change it. If you don't like it, uh, you need to change it. Amen? You're called to help change it if there's something you don't like. Now turn to uh, Psalm 84. Let's look there and get into some new stuff now. Hallelujah. You know, uh, there's somebody out there you're supposed to help. And you know, here's the thing with uh, us, is we get caught up into uh, 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 ruts and we, we, we don't think right in a lot of times we think well people are supposed to they they grow up and they drive a car at 16 and they graduate from high school at 18 and then they're supposed to do this and then you're and and you know and everybody if you you're supposed to get married when you're young or maybe you think you're not supposed to get married when you're young but I can tell you God's not into that there's people that are supposed to get married when they're 50 there's people that won't be ready until they're 50. And you know, if we don't follow the Holy Ghost, we end up sometimes with a string of marriages or something. And because uh, and none of them worked because we were one of those that if we'd have just waited on the Lord, you know, Smith Wigglesworth didn't get married till in his 50s for the first time. Amen. I believe there's people that are supposed to get out of high school and they're supposed to go to college. I believe there's people that'll go to college later in life. And it'll be the will of God. And it'll be it'll be at the right time. For them. And it'll be easy. I know Pastor and I went to college right out of high school. But we had everything on our mind. We had each other on our minds. We had a... Uh, uh, that was big on both of our minds. Uh, we had a... Uh, but also, you know, here he is. He's trying to... uh uh he hadn't been with his dad in several years. His dad was Air Force, and his dad had sent the family back home to live in, or back into West Texas to live, waiting on him to finish up about the last five years. His whole high school years, he had not been around his dad. Uh, he didn't have his head screwed on. He didn't know what he was supposed to do. He didn't know what he was supposed to major in, or he didn't know, he he hadn't figured out his destiny yet. And, uh, uh, and, and, um, So, and and just had the pressure on him. His dad and mom weren't in the position to help him with college at all, so had complete financial pressure on him to support himself plus pay tuition and all that. And uh, uh, my dad, uh, he was taking the responsibility for my school and uh, everything and my uh, living (laughs) with a condition which I broke the condition, so I ended up with all of that. The condition was, I'll pay for all these. I'll pay all these loans back for your school if you'll finish college before you get married. And I didn't, so I, I ended up paying all those. Actually, Pastor ended up paying them back. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah! He knew he what he got in the bargain. But anyway, um, but then, and you know, so. There was no way we were probably supposed to be in college, but we probably pastor should have graduated from high school. His dad came home from the Air Force, retired in April when, before he graduated from high school in May. And he probably should have stayed with his dad and been with his dad and learned to farm, which we ended up coming home from college and farming for 10 years and everything. But um, <clears throat> the thing was, is later in life, though, God made a way. I know we were pastoring, in, uh, and all of a sudden we got a letter from a college that was 30 miles away, College of the Southwest it's called, and, uh, in Hobbs, New Mexico. And it just said, we're wanting to kind of expand our, I don't know what they exactly said, we're wanting to expand our, um, um, and, and, and get different people in different occupations into our school at that time they were really trying to build a school now it's turning into a big school it's a big deal but at that time they were trying to get it going it'd been going for several years but trying to get it off the ground more and so they said so we're inviting any minister to come and all tuition paid and go to our college And see, God just you know, and when you're pastoring, he uh, with me kind of holding down the fort in the mornings. He was able to go, go to College of the Southwest, get his degree. And see, a lot of times things would be so much simpler if we didn't have this thing on us that says, "Okay, this is this is what you have to do when you turn 18. You got to do this. Now, this is what you know. Well, this is what you got to do." You gotta get married next. This is what you gotta do. You gotta do this next. And this is, and we put these society, uh, things on people, and they're not anything about the plan of God. And if we'll follow the Holy Ghost, He's got a thing for us to do at this time. He's got something for us to do in this season. He's got something for us to do in this season. Amen. And there's just a whole bunch of kids that aren't even ready to go to college. You can tell the ones that aren't ready to go to college because all they do is waste all their parents' money, drink all the time, don't show up at class, fail every class, and rack up a bunch of debt. They're not ready for college. It's not time for college. That's not where God's leading them. They need something else for that season. Amen? Amen. Well, you know, we put that on them, though. Glory to God. Turn. Are you in Psalm 84? So, my point for all that was not to get you to change anything about that, but my point for you was to say, I don't care how old you are, God wants to use you, and God wants to, he's got something for you, and uh, it, it's okay. If you didn't go to college, you know, you probably were right. Maybe you weren't, maybe you should have, and you didn't, but you might have been right, Um uh, you know, a lot of times we were right and we didn't know we were right. Hallelujah. You know, when we got baptized in the Holy Ghost and we were farming, well, we uh, went to church for about a year and a half just to a church that was getting started, a Word of Faith church. And and we thought, well, um, later, about 15 years later, Well, then God called us out of farm and called us to go pastor that church because that pastor, he started it. He told us when he came, I'll be here a year to 18 months. And so we went and and we knew about halfway into it we were going to be the pastors. And so we began to move to Seminole. And anyway, he turned it over to us without us ever saying anything. We didn't say anything to him or anybody until the day he said, I'm out of here. And he said, "I'm gonna make you the interim pastor." I mean, he said, "I'm gonna make you the pastor to Pastor Michael." And Michael said, "No, just make me the interim pastor." And so he was interim for 14 years there. Anyway, actually, uh, actually, we end up changing the name of the church and a whole bunch of other things. That church never even had a building; it was still in the meeting in the. Uh, but anyway, about 15 years later, we said, "You know, why didn't we think to go to Raymond?" It's like, why didn't we go to Ramah? We could have left farming and gone to Ramah just as easy. Why didn't we go to Ramah? We just loved Ramah, loved everybody that was in Ramah. Why didn't we go to Ramah? But you know, it dawned on us, if we were supposed to go to Ramah, we'd have thought of going to Ramah. And since it never entered our mind, must not have been supposed to go. And you know, some of you are like that. You've been kicking yourself, why didn't I do this? It would have entered your mind if you were supposed to. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, I'm not telling saying everybody's in the perfect will of God, but it's not going to do any good to kick yourself either way. Psalm 84, verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, he said, in the courts of our God. Sometimes we're so intent on our 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 uh, occupation, on uh, what am I supposed to be, and we send our kid to the guidance counselor, and we say, you know, and the guidance counselor says, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? What do you want to make of? And and says, okay, what college? And see, that's not ours to decide. It's been put in us what we're going to be. It was put in us before our birth. We have a spiritual DNA. You don't get to decide, oh, I'm going to be a fireman. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. I, we, that's, not put, that's not for us to decide. That's, put, that's God's decision. Amen? And you can't decide before you know. You have to discover. You don't get to decide what you're going to be. You discover what you're going to be. You discover it. It's discovered. Hallelujah. And you know, it's, it, it, sometimes we think we, even as parents, we like, well, I want him to be a doctor because I want him to make a lot of money. Well, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. That's right. That's right. Hallelujah. Than to be somewhere that, you know, doctors aren't happy because they have a lot of money. Some of them are drug addicts because they're not happy. Some of them, are, I'm not saying all of them, some of them are called and they're there. And man, I tell you, they make a difference and they love it. They, love their, they look forward to going to work and you can tell by how they treat their patients that they love it. Amen. Amen. You can tell when a teacher is called to be a teacher. And I've told you this before. When a teacher is called to be a teacher, I don't care if the state of Alabama don't give her any money. If she has a piece of chalk and a slate, she'll teach those kids something. They're all squalling about money. They're just lazy. I'm telling you, they're just lazy. Get up off of your rear and get in there and teach those kids something. If all you've got is a slate, I was hearing about Mama, uh, Mama, Mama James, Mama James down in Pensacola this week. Did y'all hear that story, Mama James down in Pensacola? Uh, she gathered up all the neighborhood kids. And um, and 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 had school in her backyard, and she made them pay a nickel to come to her school. And she said, "You tell everybody you go to a private school." And she taught them in her backyard, and and they said they were given the statistics, and they said. Several of them were multi-star generals. She taught them, she put the principles of God's Word in them, besides teaching them to read and write and so forth. She put the principles of God's Word in them. Bunches of them were multi-star generals. They're doctors, they're lawyers, they're ministers. All those little snotty-nosed kids that she drug into her backyard. See, she didn't have to have a multi-million dollar school building. And I'm not, I think we should have nice school buildings. I'm not advocating we go back to that. I'm just saying we shouldn't let anything stop us. Yeah. If you're a teacher, be a teacher. And teach them something. If they don't give you any paper, go buy you a slate. Amen? Isn't that right? Hallelujah. If you're a doctor, you'll, 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 you'll be good. If you're a lawyer, you'll be good. Amen? If you'll be a janitor, you'll be awesome. If God's God's called janitors, He's called them. And see, we've gotten this thing, though, that prosperity depends on how much your salary is. But prosperity is more based on the will of God. You can prosper doing anything. Because our salary is not our source. Your salary is not your source. And that frees us up totally. Because why would anybody want to be a janitor? And we need them. If it was all about south, no, you do what God's called you to do, and you can prosper anywhere. You can prosper at Walmart. You can prosper working at Walmart. Thank heavens for godly people that are supposed to be at Walmart. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Thank heaven for people that are supposed to work at daycare. Amen. They make a con- contribution. They make a. They they change things. Thank heavens for the people that are uh, in the ministry to just. To, to, to teach in children's church. We may think, well, that's just a little Sunday school teacher. But I'm telling you, you might be teaching a president. You might be teaching, you're teaching ministers. Oh, hallelujah. So we'd rather be a doorkeeper in God's house. We'd rather be in the will of God than anything. See, you have got something in you that will tolerate something that we won't, t- that somebody else won't tolerate. You've got something in you that will motivate something that nobody else will motivate. You can hold somebody up that's about to fall. And that's what I was getting at about times and seasons. You might live your whole life preparing to do one act of greatness when you're 60 years old. You might live 60 years just preparing for something. Just being faithful, just loving God, just delighting in Him. And your day has probably not come yet. And I bet most people in this room have not reached their day yet. That day when when their whole life is now just for this moment. Just to save somebody. Just to uh, motivate somebody. Just to keep somebody from going off the deep end. Just to encourage somebody. You see, we haven't realized how much God cares about people that He would orchestrate somebody else's life just to save them. But God loves people that much. That He would have you prepare your whole life so that when you're 70 years old, you can help that one person. He loves people that much. And some of you have. Some of you will help many people throughout your life. Some of you will have many acts of greatness, but some of you will have one major act of greatness. One major thing that God uses you for. I tell you, these end times are coming, and in these last days, oh, I tell you, we're going to snatch people right out of the gates of hell. That day before the rapture, get ready to be, get ready to travel. Get ready to supernaturally travel, because I guarantee you we're going to start, we'll see translations, and you'll, you'll, be, you'll, be in, you'll be in one place just to tell, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about the gospel, and the next day will be the rapture. Charles Cap says, uh, now I don't know if this is right, but here's what he says. I'll tell you what he says. He says that, you know how Jesus came back and was on the earth 40 days, walking through walls and that kind of stuff, he says we're going to get our bodies, our resurrected bodies, before we actually leave. At least 40 days before we actually leave, we'll be walking through walls. Now, I don't know if he's right or not, but he said if you just have the thought one day I need to go to the restroom and then you find yourself in the restroom, he'll say, you know you got 40 days. (laughs) Hallelujah. You got 40 days to get this job done. I don't know if he's right or not, but I believe strongly we're, that we're going to have, we're going to be translated just like Philip was to get the Ethiopian eunuch saved. We'll be translated. And some of us haven't even, we've, we're just preparing. We had not got to our hour yet. If you don't know your destiny, don't worry about it. You'll, you know, it's fixing to reach up and hit you in the face. Yes. It is. It is. It's fixing to hit you. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, you're desperately needed today. You're desperately needed. Whoa, hallelujah. God planned you. You know you're, you're living where you're supposed to live. There's people living right next door to you. You've got to help. Our neighbor next door to us told pastor this week, he said, well, I've been in the hospital two days, real young man. And he said, I lost all the fluid out of my spine. They had to pump the fluid off my brain. He said, I'm going to find out today whether I'm going to die or live. Real young man, little bitty kids. So he went out that afternoon and bought him a Hummer. I thought, I laughed. I laughed when he drove up in that Hummer. I thought, well, I guess he thought if there's one more day left, he was going, he had to have, have a Hummer before he went. Hallelujah. But pastor talked to him and said, now I, I want to talk. He was saying, well, I don't understand this. And you know, and there's people at my job, they beat their wives and they, and he said, pastor said, well, uh, let me get with you and talk to you about uh, why good things happen, bad things happen to good people. And uh, he said, I- I- "Okay, okay, I want to know that." And then he went and got his hummer, and then he found out he is gonna <laughs> he's going to live. He's going to live. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So he went racing that night. Hallelujah. You know, if you think if you got that close to God, the death, the door of death, the the last thing you'd want to do that night wouldn't be go racing somewhere. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's funny. Amen. (laughs) But God plans you. God is not a duplicator. Um, there are people who are hungry and thirsty for your presence. There's people that want, want to be with you. Somebody's going to perish without you. somebody'll die without you. somebody'll suffer emotionally without you. Someone will fail mentally without you someone will some people will miss their spiritual significance the spiritual significance of life without you. You need to recognize there are some that do not need you. You are not their answer. God has someone else planned for them. Did you know there's some that want you that don't need you? There's some that want you that don't need you uh, Father. Mm. there's some that want you that don't need you. There's some that would pull you out of your destiny to clutch you to themselves. A lot of times that's family. They'll clutch you to themselves and try to pull you out of your destiny. They don't know they're being used by the enemy, but they are uh, They are being used by the enemy, and they want you. They want you right there with them. They want you all the time. They want you to do for them. They want you for themselves. But I want to tell you something, Folks. <coughs> We have a destiny, and we're called to fulfill it. We're called to fulfill our destiny. And sometimes people that don't use their faith when they're young, they have to pay that price for that when they're old. If you don't want to go to the nursing home, I'm going to meddle a little here. If you don't want to go to the nursing home when you get old, then use your faith now. And you won't have to use your faith to be strong so you can live alone when you're old. But I don't have the right to ruin my son's destiny because I didn't use my faith. I don't have the right to be selfish. Amen. I don't have the right to have, have, to say, well, you know, I got to live with you because I don't want to go to the nursing home, and mess up his life. Hallelujah. It would too, wouldn't it? Amen. He said it would mess his life up. Hallelujah. No, I'm supposed to use my faith. Amen. And I'm supposed to, I want him to complete his destiny. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, So we got to fulfill our destiny. I know, uh, I'll tell you my story. Sometimes you try to be God for people. And if you would make them be on their own, they'd cry out to God. I know that happened with me because in 1984, I went in, I've told you before, I drove into a cloud of fear. I don't know why, but all of a sudden I was just in total fear. I was driving down the road. And I got myself home by calling. and just, I, I literally had to call people to get myself home and to drive. I was in that. And, and, you know, I didn't know how to react to it or I could have dealt with it right then in the spirit, but I didn't know how to react. And so for several, uh, for quite a long time, I'm dealing with this fear. It, it's, it's, it, I don't know what it's a fear of. I can't put my finger on it. But I would, and, and I would just be beside myself with fear. If you've ever had it, you understand. And so most of the time it would happen when I would go somewhere, but a lot of sometimes it would happen at home. And pastor would say, I need to go to the church. And I would like, oh, no, don't go, don't go, don't go. If I was in one of those little episodes, don't go, don't go. And he would say, no, I need to go to the church. And I know it was hard for him, but he would drive off and leave me. And, you know, if he hadn't, he would have made me a cripple. But when he drove off and left me, guess what I did? I got a hold of God. And when he would come back, every time when he would come back, and he wouldn't stay gone long, and I know it was hard for him because uh, we're joined at the hip, and, uh, I mean, we're one, and uh, uh, and we're not hardly, hardly ever out of each other's sight very long. And he, he would leave me, and I'd cry out to God, and I'd get a hold of God, and he'd come back, and I'd be in perfect peace. I'd just be in total peace. I'd be, I'd be in total peace. And you know, after a, it took me several years actually to get completely a hold of it, and just get totally free from that, because I didn't know how. I had to scout my own way on myself. But um, you know, I'm glad he didn't jump every time I, I hollered. I'm glad he had the guts to walk out the door and say, No, I got a destiny. And you know, you're gonna have to walk out the door. Y'all, some of y'all are making emotional cripples out of your kin folks. Because every time they say, come, you jump and run. And they could call on God and they'd get close to their Savior. They'd get close to God. They'd find him. I'm telling you, so yeah, but they're really bad. Yeah, when they're really bad, that's when they cry out. That's when they get close to God and they, you know, they get a hold of him. Amen, hallelujah, hallelujah. And if you don't, the the devil's going to use somebody to pull you off your destiny. He's going to use somebody to get you uh, that wants you, but they're not. You're not the one for them. I know this is the truth. Uh, my grandmother was she had cancer, and she had to go eighty miles for treatments uh, to Lubbock and. Uh, the Lord said, just stay on, stay in your, stay on your course. I'll, I'll supply for her another way. Just keep doing what you're doing. Stay on your course. Well, now, see, she, she, was, she wanted all the family around her all the time. She wanted, she wanted me to take her to Lubbock, to, the, to, the, to the, wherever you go to get treatment. She wanted me to do it. But the Lord wanted to use who had, you know, that was part of somebody's destiny to even do that. Somebody, I've noticed that in families, there's always somebody. God doesn't leave people without care, but it doesn't mean you're called. Maybe you are, but maybe you're not. And a lot of times, God will, you know more, and God will use somebody that knows less. Do you know what I'm saying? To do those kind of things. Um, and he calls people in families, and the person he called for my grandmother was my stepmother. And you know it was she grew because of it. She was anointed to do it. I wasn't. It was hard. There was pressure on me. There was pressure on me. I just kept. I had to just like. I'd still go see my grandmother every day, but there tended to be some feelings of guilt. Some of them coming from the devil. Some of them coming from, you know, my grandpa, Wish you. I really wish you'd go with your granny. You know, I, pressure. I really wish you would go with granny. She really need. Granny really needs you. But I had to just stay steady. I had to stay on course. I'm I'm telling you something here. Stay in your destiny, do what God's called you to do. If he hadn't called you to do do it. I'm not saying there won't be pressure, but you still got to stay in your destiny. And God will use somebody else. And I've noticed families I've all noticed he always calls one. My great grandmother, she um, she's one of the, came in that generation where they thought they were old when they were fifty, and uh, she sat down and started rocking about fifty right after the last child was born, practically. And but by that time she had thirteen, so the older girls took care of the babies, and uh, you know, so. Uh, but anyway, grandma started rocking, and grandma lived by herself a lot of years in Albany, Texas, and and um, but there came a time. And God didn't call all 13 kids to come take care of Grandma. But there did come a time when somebody needed to live with Grandma. And so he called one girl. He called my aunt Leon from West Virginia. She had moved to West Virginia, lived there all that time. He called my aunt Leon and he called her to come live with grandma. And took care of grandma. And she lived with her till she died, and she took care of her. And there was grace on you know they were happy together. There was grace on her, but you know my grandmother now she could have said no. And see my grandmother about that time, God said, "Now I want you to move to Seagraves, Texas." Now she lived down in Albany. Albany's better. The weather's nicer and everything at Albany. Prettier. And so she, God said, I want you to move to Seagraves, Texas. But she could have said, no, now I don't want to leave off, move off and leave Mama. Mama's older. All my brothers and sisters just about live down here. I don't want to leave, move off and leave Mama. But Granny Hicksey had a, a, an appointment with Destiny. So she loaded up, and my dad, about that time, lived in Seagraves. We lived in Seagraves. About that time, my dad said, uh, he said, he got an offer from a bank in uh, Nocona, Texas, And so he said, I'm moving. But Granny, like, so why would you move to a town where your son just moved away from? But Granny had an appointment with Destiny. And so she didn't say, well, Kenneth left, so I'm not going. And she didn't say, well, now I need to stay with Mama. She didn't. She had an appointment with Destiny. And so she moved to Seagraves in the fall of 1979, actually September of 1979. And in January 1, 1980, Pastor and I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. That was her appointment with destiny. It's changed everything. Not just of our life, lots of people's lives been changed because she didn't say, I got mama here to take care of. Got My son just left town. Why would I want to move up there? Why, oh, the weather's not that great in Seagraves. Sea Seagraves is not where you want to move. Most people figure that out by now, and they it's pretty much dried up. But... Uh, But she had appointment with destiny. It didn't matter. It don't matter what the weather's like, folks. It don't matter where grandma lives. God has somebody take care of grandma. Amen. We're here on this earth. This we're just passing through. You've got to do your destiny. You've got to complete your destiny. Not everybody will agree with it. Not everybody will want you to. There will be pressures, but you've got to do that. I wanted to give you three keys to fulfilling your destiny this morning, and then we're going to go. Number one is recognize you are a perfect solution to someone. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Here's the second one. My surprise you is you. even though you know you're the perfect solution for someone, did you know they're the ones that have to recognize and to discern your assignment to them? They are the ones that have to recognize it. Thousands were sick in the book of Mark. Thousands were sick. Thousands were blind. But it was blind Bartimaeus that cried, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He discerned, that's the man that can help me. So somebody, they have to discern it themselves. Pharaoh discerned Joseph had the answer to his dream. The Pharisees did not discern that Jesus was sent to them, but remember Zacchaeus? He did. Zacchaeus discerned. That's the man. That's the man. He's got the answers for my life. He was, you know, we know he was a little short man, wee little man. Wee little man was he? Climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Hallelujah. Zacchaeus discerned that. The third thing to to, to fulfilling your destiny is that you must know that the quest to discover your assignment is worth the trouble because in it is great peace, great fulfillment, and prosperity that will not come without it. In your assignment, finding your assignment is worth the trouble because in it is great peace, great fulfillment, and prosperity that will not come without it. Your ultimate prosperity will not come with you outside of the will of God. If Jesus, well, depending on, I want to give you some more on this, but I don't really have time, but I will tell you this. There's no saying that says, if the shoe fits, wear it. And I want to tell you there's some truth in that for spiritual things and for finding your assignment. If the shoe doesn't fit, if you I'm not talking about challenges, but I'm talking about if there's no peace, no satisfaction, no flow in your life. If you don't get up on Monday morning wanting to go to work, then you hadn't found it. I like to come to work. And I'm happiest if I've got about 3 counseling appointments lined up. I like to counsel. Now, I know I hear a lot of pastors say Oh, that's the one thing I don't like about pastors. I don't like to counsel. Well, I do. I like to help folks. I don't know. It's just part of my DNA, it's a part of my makeup. Maybe I'm bossy. Maybe I like to tell people. (laughs) I don't know what it is. But um, if the shoe fits, wear it. If it's fitting you good, wear it. But if there's no peace, if you don't like going to work, you missed it somewhere. You, you, and you can pray your way into, you can pray your way into it. And you know, all of us have to make attitude adjustments. You know, get willing and so forth like that about going to work. And sometimes we all have something. But if you, if it's a constant thing, you don't enjoy what you do. That's not your destiny. You're going to enjoy it, folks. It's going to be heaven on earth. There's gonna be peace. You're there you're gonna find there's gonna be a flow of prosperity, although I'm not talking about instant prosperity and lots of money, but I'm talking about there's a flow, there's an increase. Things are things are going, things are going towards that. There might be setbacks, there might be challenges, there might be opportunities to use faith, but there's a general, there's a general blessing of God where you're supposed to be. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So, it's your job to find it. It's your job to discover it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's stand up. Oh, I wish I could give you more. I, I didn't even get to the goods.